Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Clowder from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. A reading from Jeremiah. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who shepherd my people, it is you who have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. So I will attend to you for your evil doings, says the Lord. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the lands where I have driven them. And I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will raise up shepherds over them who will shepherd them, and they shall not fear any longer or be dismayed, nor shall any be missing, says the Lord. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called, The Lord is our Righteousness. A Gospel reading from the sixth chapter of Mark. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away to a deserted place, all by yourself, and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, the people at once recognized him and rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. Grace and peace to you, my friends in faith. I love that beautiful song about shepherds and this imagery of us as sheep, which makes it feel really odd to me that like the worst thing you could call somebody in the year of 2021 is a sheep. <laughs> like seriously, you want to win a fight on the internet? Just call anyone who disagrees with you a sheep, claim victory, don't change anyone's mind, and walk away. So here's the sheep emoji, right? You can use the sheep emoji. It, it represents sheep, farms, uh, wool, and rural scenes, but in a figurative sense, It's used as an insult to describe someone who is a brainless follower of a person, opinion, or ideology. Ouch. Who wants to be known as that? But I'm here to tell you today, I've got great news for you because I think we've had sheep pegged all wrong. Okay? Yes, it's true. Some sheep are really dumb and they appear to be oblivious and completely clueless to life. But in reality, studies have shown that sheep are actually much more intelligent than we've given them credit for. As I was doing some research and I was looking at uh, different sites, P. 
PETA actually has some research that shows that uh, sheep are gentle and highly sensitive animals with complex emotions. They are nurturers and care for each other. I don't even know how this mom got her kids dressed, but she can do something that I have a hard time doing in the morning. Keith Kendrick, who's one of the foremost uh, researchers of sheep, found that sheep can distinguish between different expressions in humans, and they can actually detect changes in the faces of other anxious sheep. He also discovered that, fa- that sheep can recognize the face of, a- of at least 50 other sheep, which I know I wouldn't be able to do, and then they can remember 50 different images for up to two years. The University of California, Berkeley, discovered that sheep form long-term relationships And they even look out for each other in times of need. Pretty fascinating, then, that what I think our stereotype is, is that sheep are only good for their wool and their meat and that they're dumb. And they're just these oafs. And so we maybe consume their products as a way of uh, just minimizing what they actually are able to do uh, to help kind of assuage some of our own guilts. Which means that I think the outcomes that a sheep is faced are probably more of a reflection of their shepherd. You know, if a sheep's being led to slaughter, like that's the verse that we're going to hear today. If a sheep's being led to slaughter, it's not as if the sheep has a choice. And so the emotional impact can be severe, but it's not like this flock of sheep has any way of defending themselves or doing anything to really uh, create a different scenario for themselves. If a sheep goes astray, it's, it's kind of on the shepherd, and maybe the shepherd hasn't served them well. So here we go. We got today's story in Mark's gospel. And if you were following along in your Bible, for example, if this reading was being uh, presented to you, and you noticed that there's a giant skip from one verse, and then all of a sudden we get to the, to the end of this reading, and, and you might be thinking, oh, well, those, those verses that we didn't read must not have been very important, otherwise we would have just kept reading. Now, here's the, here's the reality. The two big stories that happened that we skipped over are actually one of the most famous stories in all of Mark's, in all of Jesus's, uh, telling. It's the feeding of the 5,000 and it's Jesus walking on water. So I'm thinking, why did we skip those? And then I looked ahead to next week and that's what we're going to read for next week. So whoever the editors were who put the readings together said, I know what we're going to do. We're going to go from here and here and then we'll just cover that next week. I don't understand why. But then as I got to thinking about why these two readings were smushed together, I see a little bit of how, even though they might seem a bit unrelated stories, It's showing the impact of Jesus and how Jesus was able to affect the crowds and why Jesus was so important as the shepherd to the people. But what's going on in the story today? Well, first of all, Jesus is trying to get a break. He needs rest. He needs a little bit of a Sabbath. His disciples are tired too. And it doesn't exactly say why they need this, but I believe it would probably be much more clear to us if we looked at the bigger picture of what has just happened in the story right before our reading today. What happened immediately before this was what our lesson was for last week. So think all the way back to last Sunday. All the way back to last Sunday. Oh, that's right. I talked about the canoe trip a lot. But what was the other thing that I was connecting it to? It was connected to John the Baptist. And John the Baptist had just been executed by King Herod. Why do the people who are surrounding Jesus need to get away? It's because they have to experience one of those most important human and apparently sheep emotions. They need to grieve. They need to be able to go somewhere and be in their, in their deep, deep sadness of missing John. You know, this is one of their best friends. This is someone that they've looked to as their leader. And now he's been killed. So they try to get away. And of course, Jesus being the, you know, the person that he is that everyone's trying to flock to and that everyone wants to get a part of, 
Jesus is drawing crowds from all over the place. And so any hint that he might be in the area, people are trying to find him. They want to be able to be in his presence, to hear him, to, to be able to touch his cloak and be healed like we see in the reading today. And so what does Jesus do in response to this overabundance of people trying to get around him? Does he shun them away and say, sorry, I need to go have my Sabbath time? No, he actually looks at them with compassion. He gets ashore, he saw this crowd, and he has compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he begins to teach them many things. It's not a criticism here. It's not like Jesus, it's not like Jesus is thinking, oh, you dumb sheep. He's compassionate for these people because of who their shepherd is. Their forced shepherd. Who's the person that they are most responsible to? Well, it's their shepherd and it's King Herod. King Herod is this tyrant, this guy who has stolen his own brother's wife and then cut off the head of John the Baptist because a 12-year-old told him that that's what she wanted, like a pony at a party. And he's trying to save face in front of his friends. Herod is the one who's the leader of these people. He's their shepherd. No wonder they're lost. No wonder they're seeking a word of hope and comfort. No wonder they have a shepherd who doesn't care for them. They have a shepherd who continues to put fear into them. Luther Seminary professor uh, Matt Skinner had a really powerful uh, article this week where he's talking about the leadership that is seen in this passage and reflecting on, you know, why, what's the Bible having to say here and what is Jesus saying as he has compassion on these, on these people? And Skinner said, look, among the many factors that contribute to the biblical criticism of leadership is this deep concern about the danger that festers when a people, and that could be a nation, a community, a congregation, or even a family, when they don't have a shared vision. There's no commitment to common values. There's no concern for their neighbors. There's no basis for trusting each other. And therefore, there's no confidence that anybody's individual contributions can make a difference. What he's pointing out here is Herod clearly doesn't care about anybody. Herod doesn't, Herod doesn't have a vision statement that he's trying to make sure everybody is investing in and so that they're all united and together. Herod cares about Herod. Yet Jesus has a vision. Jesus is teaching about repenting from your old self, that, that self that belongs to Herod, and he's trying to tell them about how to turn to this new way. It's a way that's concerned about others. It's a way that fosters trust and acceptance within the community. It's a way that believes that each sheep or, or person in that community can make a difference on the rest of the community. That if they all work together, that they can be better off. Now, Herod, I mean, you think about this. It's, it's, not, it's this idea that Jesus is talking about. It's not like an elected position. It's, it's not a position of power that you could just conquer and then claim. Not like what Herod has done. And that's what makes the authority of Jesus even more controversial and even more upsetting to those who are in power. Skinner says this. He says, this is what Jesus is, is striving to, to, uh, to teach. It's a leadership that fosters a thriving, life-giving community. How the Bible has no patience for leaders who are not committed to empowering, affirming, and liberating the people that they lead. And so if the Bible is saying this, I, I don't think we should have that expectation either. I think we should have higher expectations, not only for our leaders, but for ourselves, for our communities. This is what we should be striving for. And having these high expectations of where Christ is leading us. Jesus isn't expecting us to be dumb sheep that just blindly follow. He's expecting that as his flock that we care for each other. That we're called into this life of service and prayer and love. So... 
our mission statement, led by the Spirit to share God's grace, right? This, I mean, you even heard Nancy in her reflection in her thank you for the refugee support this morning. She used that. She talked about that. It's at the core of who we are. What does that mean for our future? What does it mean that God is with us? What does God have in store for our church? How are we going to continue to foster that, that life-giving community that helps as we think beyond ourselves? And then how are we going to know if we're all on the same page? I think now, you know, as, as summer is upon us and we're, we're able to spend some time just kind of thinking towards the future, this is a great time to do that. This is a great time for us to start having some conversations and regrouping and starting to look forward. What are we all about as a church? Where are we going to be headed in the next weeks and months that, that Christ goes with us? So in the next couple of weeks, there's going to be a survey that's going to be uh, available. It's called the Congregational Vitality Assessment. It doesn't take very long. It's just a matter of answering a few questions. It's not going to be a, a chance to write in a bunch of stuff. It's going to just be, here's some questions, and then take a look at what, you th- what your perception is of Faith Lutheran, and then reply. Then two weeks from day, today, this guy, Justin Grimm, one of our favorite people, he is such a powerful leader, such a great dynamic preacher. Uh, Justin's going to be here to preach on August 1st. And so what Justin is going to be able to do as he comes from the synod, he's able to share some reflections, but also to help us start thinking about where are we going? Start helping us lay some of that groundwork for visioning and thinking about what's in the years to come for our, for our congregation. The month of August is going to be a time for some small conversations, some small group of leaders uh, being able to have intentional conversations with members of our church, to be able to listen to each other, to be able to ask that question of, well, why do you love faith? What are you excited about for faith, and what's next for our church? And then in the fall, we'll reflect on those conversations. We'll make some observations. We'll start talking about, you know, where, where have we been? What are we doing now, and where are we going? Where's Christ leading us? This is a great time, I believe, as our little flock here in Forest Lake, Minnesota is able to just pause and then discern where we're going. We have a strong congregation full of many gifts for ministry. What a gift that is. And I'm confident that as we listen to each other, that it's going to be clear where that energy is going to continue to be directed. How are we able to empower each other to be able to to be an active voice of hope and love in this town, in this congregation, in our homes? You know, there's plenty of voices that might claim that they are our shepherd. But there's only one shepherd that has my full and absolute loyalty, and that's Jesus. So the next time someone wants to call you a sheep, thank them. I'll be a sheep for Jesus any day. Amen. Well, that's it for this week's sermon. Thank you for joining us. Look for more information on faithfl.org or certainly reach out to the office if you would like to receive weekly email updates. Thank you.